I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, this is where we take a turn in the Faith Friday uh, series on Romans. So the last two chapters have been doom and gloom, shall we say. And chapter three is where things start to turn. The tide starts to turn with Paul and and the good news of the gospel. So I'm super excited to be able to jump into chapter three. This is where it starts to get good. So I am really stoked for this one. Guys, as I always say, when I start off these Faith Friday podcasts is that if you're new here, this is a little bit weird for a lawn care podcast to be doing a faith episode, but I've done quite a few of them now, and they seem to uh, get enough listens to keep doing them. And the whole purpose for doing these Faith Friday episodes is to put the word of God out there. So if you want to just hang around, listen to me, read the Word of God, the way I do it is I read a whole chapter, and then we go back to verse 1 of that chapter, and we break it down verse by verse. I read the whole chapter so that I don't take the Bible out of context, and that way we all understand together where the author, in this case Paul, is going, all right? So, and what he's trying to say, what the ideas thoughts he's trying to convey. So that's why we do that. Uh, I'm not a Bible scholar, so check me on everything that you read here, or hear here, rather. And if if you have a question about anything, if you find that I said something wrong, I would love to know. Because I don't want to... I'm here to learn too, all right? So I don't want to be saying something that the Bible doesn't say. So if at any point you hear something that doesn't sound quite quite right to you, please email me at lansinglawnservice at gmail.com or reach out to me on Facebook via, via Messenger. And uh, you can find me uh, at Aaron Sutter on Facebook. Send me a message there. And I will reply to that. Or you can find me on Instagram. Send me a message there. at It's just Lansing Lawn Service. Okay? So I, I would like to know if I'm wrong. I would like to correct it. So, uh, or at least look at it to see if what you're saying, what I'm saying, and what the Bible is saying, hopefully they can, they align. All right? Or if they don't align and... You know, I'm, I'm trying to follow the Bible here. I'm not trying to follow what I'm saying or what Joe Blow is saying. I'm trying to find follow the Word. So that's that's part of this this thing that I'm doing here. Um, but I I want you to check me on everything. Now, if you decide that hey, I don't want to stick around for a whole episode of this Faith Friday podcast, I'd rather just hear the Bible and move on. Great. If that's all you get out of the Faith Friday episode, I am happy with that. So if you want to duck out after you listen to the Word of God read, I am fine with that. Go on your merry way and have a great day. Because that is something that I am very passionate about, is getting the Word of God into people's hands. Because there's about 50% of the American of, of America says that they're Christian, but only a very small percentage go to church on a regular basis. Now, regular basis to most Christians today, a poll has been done to most Christians today, a re- going to church on a regular basis is once a month or once every two months. 
That is not a regular basis. A regular basis is every week. All right. Or, you know, as, as much as you possibly can. So at least three times a month, that is what a regular basis is. Okay. And the thing is, people don't grab their Bible. They don't read it. They don't listen to it on, on whatever. What they do is they have a Bible app on their phone and they read one verse a day that is probably taken out of context or they're reading it and they are taking it out of context because it's not in a context. And, oh, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. But they don't really get anything out of it. They're not learning anything. They just got to get a warm, fuzzy feeling. Okay, I read my Bible for the day. Woohoo! No, that's not it. You're, you're missing the point. You're, you're missing the boat. <laughs> uh, we've got to do better. We've got to do way better. As a church, global, and as individuals, in getting our brains, our eyes into the Word of God. All right? So I'm going to start off here. We're starting in Romans 3 today. Uh, we've already done Romans 1 and 2. So if you haven't heard those podcasts, go back and listen to those because that will give you context on where we're at. Okay, Paul starts out the book of Romans very doom and gloom, very, very hard on people in general. First, he's hard on the world and letting us know where the world is at, how depraved, how, how sinful they are. Then he turns his sights in chapter 2 onto the church or the believers and how depraved and godless they are. And now we are seeing the whole tide turn in chapter 3. All right? Now, I'm so excited. I, I love Romans chapter 3. Okay, it's it's almost as good as Roman chap, Romans chapter 8, but not quite. All right, so let's jump in here. I'm going to read the entire chapter. I'm not going to say uh, verse headings or, or, or section headings or anything like that, but we will go back and go verse by verse, and I will say the verses that we're going into from there. All right, so let's jump in. <clears throat> what advantage, then, is there in being a Jew, or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, they have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some did not have faith? Will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every man a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak, and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say, that God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I am using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were, the, were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as we are being slanderously reported as saying, and as some claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is deserved. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their thoughts are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth 
may, may be silent and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? He is not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith, the uncircumcised through the same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. And that ends chapter 3. All right, let's go back to verse 1. What advantage, then, is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? So Paul is kind of answering his own questions here. He's kind of asking the question and then answering it. Kind, trying to kind of answer the church's questions that he's writing to. So what advantage, then, is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Because the Jewish, the Jewish tradition puts a lot of emphasis on circumcision because God gave that back, to, back in, in the days of Abraham. That was part of the whole law was circumcision. Everyone needed to be circumcised if they were a Jew. And that's a picture of what we view as salvation today, is that our hearts need to be circumcised. All right? So, verse 2. Much in every way. First of all, they have been entrusted with the very words of God. So, God gave the Jewish people his word. He, he gave Moses the law. He then gave his word to the prophets, and they spoke it out to the Jews. And, and so that is the value of being a Jew, that they have this, this connection with God. God spoke through the Jewish people. Okay? Verse 3. What if some did not have faith? Will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? Sorry, let me read that again. What if some did not have faith? Will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? And Paul answers it here. Verse 4, not at all. No, it doesn't nullify God's faithfulness. Let God be true and every man a liar. So, our lack of faith does not nullify God's faithfulness. That, oh my gosh, this is going to be really good. I, I just, eat just this. I don't need to say anything about this. It's just, just listen to those words. What if someone did not have faith? Will their faith 
or I'm sorry, will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? And Paul says, not at all. Oh my goodness, that is that's so good. Like, I, I just, not at all. Let God be true through through all, all these generations of God speaking to the Jews. He, his word is true. And let every man be a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. All right, I'm going to look at my commentary here really quick. I just want to see if there's anything that it expounds on here. So Paul says in 3.4, Certainly not. Whenever there is a question whether God or man is right, always proceed on the basis that God is right and every man is a liar. This is what David said, in effect, in Psalm 51.4. And there's quote, the quote, The complete truthfulness of all you say must be defended, and you must be vindicated every time you are called into question by sinful man. End quote. Our sins only serve to confirm the truthfulness of God's word. All right, so that's in the Believer's Commentary. That is written by William McDonald. So that's what I'm using as a commentary. So if you want to go out and pick one up for yourself, whether at a bookstore, uh, you might be able to find it at Barnes & Noble or a Christian bookstore somewhere, or you can get it on Amazon. That's where I got mine. Um, and it's valuable. It's a very valuable book to have. It's huge, but it, it's very valuable to have. All right, let's keep going here. Verse 5, but if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? And he has a little, in parentheses here, uh, it says, I am using a human argument. So this is Paul using a human argument. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? So what what Paul is saying here is he's using kind of the logical worldly argument here. Like, shouldn't, why why would I just, if, if God is so faithful and and his faith, my sinfulness doesn't nullify God's faithfulness. Why don't I just keep on sinning? Because if, if my unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, then why should I stop sinning? And that's, what, that's the question that he's asking here. So verse 6, certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Because we see in the Bible over and over and over and over and over again that God is going to judge the world. He is all we're going to stand before God as well. And he's going to go through our life with a fine-tooth comb. And we're going to have to stand in judgment. We're going to stand before the court and God is the judge. And he is going to say one of two things. I see your life here, and I don't see your name in the book of life. You're condemned. Depart from me. I never knew you. Or he's going to say, I see what you've done here. I see all these things. But your name is in the book of life. My son, Jesus Christ's blood has covered your sin. He paid for your sin. Welcome into paradise. That's, that's, that's the way I see it anyway.
Let's keep going here. All right. Verse 6. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Verse 7. Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Let's read that again. Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? My sin is increasing God's glory. Why would I why would I why would I stop sinning? Why why would I why would I need to do any of this? That's what Paul is asking here. Verse verse 8. Why not say as we are be, being slanderously reported as saying and as some claim that we say, so this is Paul telling them this is what people are saying about us, about me, Paul. He's saying uh well uh why not say, as we are being slanderously reported as saying, and as some claim that we say, quote, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is deserved. Don't we hear kind of a similar argument today? Why would I, why would I stop sinning if God's glory is increased? You know? Let us do evil so that good may result. We hear this. I've heard it before. And it's like, it's a dumb argument. And Paul says their condemnation is deserved. All right, verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. Do you hear that? What shall we conclude then? We are we any better? Is the church any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. We have all sinned, every single one of us. Not one of us is without sin. Verse 10. As, is it, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Verse 12. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Verse 13, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. None of us is good enough on our own to get into heaven. Not a single one. Verse 14, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. That's 15. 16. Ruin and misery mark their ways. 17. And the way of peace they do not know. Verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Man. A couple weeks ago, I ended the Faith Friday with talking about faith healers and things like that. And, and uh, these charlatans that are claiming that they can lengthen legs through, through God. And uh, I told my story, my life experience with something similar to that. And um, it just, it is so apparent to me that these men who are using the name of God to profit off of the sick, the dying, the unwell, the mentally handicapped, they have absolutely no fear of God. Will these men be in heaven? I don't know. My guess is 
and this is only speculation, my guess is that these men are not truly born again. Because if they were, they would not be doing these things, these shows, a show of healing. It is. It, it makes me sick. It really does. And these, these men do not have a fear of God. If they did, they would immediately stop what they're doing. But they don't. They have no fear of God. None. God's all love. He loves you. He wants you to be healed and well. He wants you to have a life of abundance. Really? Really? He wants you to have a life of abundance. Hmm. Okay. What about the church in China? Hmm? These people are dirt poor. They live on less than a dollar a day. And they are a part of the Christian church. But God wants you to have abundance. You must not be saved if you don't have abundance. You're not healed. You must not have enough faith. You don't have enough faith to be healed. That is bullcrap. It is bullcrap. There's another word I would love to use here, but (laughs) I'm not going to because it's Faith Friday. You know what I'm saying? But I get really worked up about these guys. Okay, so let's just move on. Um, Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silent or silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Every man is under the law. Some people say that Jesus came to abolish the law. Some preachers even say that, that Jesus came to abolish the law. No, he did not. Jesus did not come and die on the cross for our sins to abolish the law. If your pastor's teaching that, you need to talk to him about it. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus came to fulfill the law. Does not say that he ended the law. He said he came to fulfill the law on our behalf. Because we couldn't do it. We would all be dead because we cannot do it. Verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. So his is is a God here. All right. It's not capitalized in the NIV. I wish the NIV Bible would capitalize his when it's referring to God, but they don't. And it's it's very frustrating. Okay. Verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. The law makes us conscious to sin. The Ten Commandments let us know that we are sinners. Paul, in, ver- in chapter 1 and 2, let us know how sinful we are. We're sinners. We are all, we are all conscious of sin. Every single one of us. Nature even screams of God's righteousness. And we can see that we are a broken, sinful people. We don't need God to tell us that. We already know something is wrong. Verse 21. Now we get into the good stuff. Oh, this gives me the chills just reading it. (laughs) But now, but now, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. Verse 22. 
The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. Praise God. Ooh, that just gives me the shivers. But now, a righteousness from God apart from the law. The thing that we could not do, the, the law that we could not keep, there has been, there is now known a righteousness from God that is apart from the law. It's separate. Has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness comes from comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. To all who believe. I don't care if you're a rapist. I don't care if you're a murderer. I don't care if you're a drug dealer, drug addict. I don't care if you've, I don't care what you've done. That's what it's saying here to all, to all who believe. There is no difference. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. That is something to shout about. That is something to be really, really glad about. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely we're justified. That means we're, we're looked at as innocent. Freely by grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ dying on the cross, rising again, we can have Redemption. There's a justification that comes by grace if we, if we choose to believe on Jesus Christ. Verse 25. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So, God, in his mercy, in the Old Testament, for the Jews, left their sins unpunished. They, he gave them a, an atonement system in the Old Testament where they needed to make sacrifices Blood sacrifices. This is a picture of the coming of Jesus Christ. They had to make blood sacrifices on the altar and they would burn it and the, the, the smell would rise to God and he would forgive them. He chose to forgive them. Their, their sins remained unpunished beforehand. Okay, verse 26. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ so he he had them he put the atonement system in place so that the people would understand his justice there has to be justice see and that's what that's what some of the churches today don't understand the churches that are only about God's love. God loves you so much that he died for you. He loves you so much. He wants you to be healed. He loves you so much that he wants to, to just make you whole. He died for you because he loves you so much. You know, we hear all these worship songs, you know, these type that sound like Jesus is my boyfriend type things. It's a little creepy. No. God 
put the atonement system in place so that we could understand his justice. Jesus Christ died on the cross, not because he loves you so much. He died on the cross to demonstrate his justice. Yes, God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not per- shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, God loves you. But he had to demonstrate his justice on the cross because you cannot have love without justice. Just just look at a father whose child has been molested. You cannot have love and want with and not want justice. If your child has been molested, especially a father, every ounce of being that is in that man wants justice for his child. And he will go to almost any length to get it. That is also a picture of God's justice. When wrong is done, justice must be served. And that is the whole reason for the atonement in the Old Testament. That is the whole reason for Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross. God's justice had to be appeased. Because there is not love without justice. And there is not justice without love. There isn't. I could give example after example. If if you want love, there also has to, justice comes with love. Because without justice, there is no love. Let's move on. Uh, let's see. Verse 27. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. There is no boasting. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No. But on that of faith. We have nothing to boast about. Not a thing. We're all sinners. The only thing that we can boast about is Jesus Christ. Verse 28. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Faith is apart from observing the law. We don't have to observe the law anymore. The final atonement has been paid. The final sacrifice has been done. That's what it's saying here. Verse 29. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Because he's asking this because in the Roman church they had a little issue. Gentiles are people that are not Jews. And then, of course, we have Jews. The Jews have always been God's chosen people. It has been them. They were under the law. They had the law. They were the only ones. They were God's chosen people. The Gentiles were excluded. They were out. They could not be a part of it. Now, Paul is saying, or he's asking the questions, is not the God of Gen- is God not the God of Gentiles too? And he answers this question, which was probably a shock to the Romans in that day. Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God 
who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith. Praise God, we don't have to be circumcised anymore. Now, if you uh, I'm not even going to go into it. You can't. If you want to be, you can be, okay? We, it, that, that's what I'm going to say about circumcision. Circumcision, as we saw in the last chapter, is of the heart. It's not physical. Paul is not referring to physical cir- circumcision anymore. This is heart circumcision. Verse 31. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Do we nullify the law by, the f- by faith in Jesus Christ? Paul says, not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. The faith in Jesus Christ is apart from the law. Because we can't do the law. We can't keep it. We've proven it over and over and over and over and over again. But if we have faith in Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law, we rather uphold it. We uphold the law because we have faith in Jesus Christ. Guys, this is good news. This is the good news that we've been waiting for. We're sinful. We're depraved. We're ugly. We're nasty to one another. This is the good news. We can be rescued. We have an out. All we need to do is believe on Jesus Christ. In his death, his burial, and resurrection. He is the fulfillment of the law. He was the final atoning sacrifice. He took our sins upon him. Because we couldn't pay them without death. Jesus took our death for us. That is good news. That is good news worth proclaiming to the world. That is good news to proclaim to your crew. That is good news to proclaim to your customers. It is good news to proclaim to your family. We no longer are under the law because the final atonement has been made. Now all we need to do is believe in that final atonement, Jesus Christ. And we can be saved. Praise God Almighty. He chose to save us and rescue us, to take our death for us, to take our punishment for us. Praise God. Man, it it just makes me want to shout. Just knowing myself, knowing how sinful I am, knowing how depraved I can be. If I didn't have Jesus, there would be no hope. I would be dead in my sin. I would be lost forever. But because of the final atonement, Jesus Christ I have everlasting life. Believe on Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. If you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again, you will be saved. 
but it's not just declared to yourself. That's not what it means. Declare means declare it to others. Say it to others. That's not why. That's why I'm not a fan of this at home. Me and my husband baptism. No, it doesn't work that way. I mean, yes, you can baptize somebody in a tub. I don't care. But I would prefer if you had your non-believing friends or the friends that you have lived life with since you were a little kid, family, these people, that is what baptism is. It is declaring with your mouth that Jesus Christ died, buried, and rose from the dead, and you put your faith in him. I declare it. I go under the water as a picture of death with Jesus, death and burial with Jesus, and I rise from the water new. I am born again. That is the picture of baptism. It is not alone in your, in your home with your husband or your boyfriend or, or your girlfriend or whatever. It is declaring to the world through your words, your mouth, and also with action and picture that you go under the water. You are dead in your sin and you are buried with Christ. And then you rise up out of the water, new, washed clean, because you believe in Jesus Christ. You are born again. So that that is what, uh, gosh, I got off on a tangent here, but I'm telling you, if you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth, declare it. Declare means like you're standing on a street corner ringing a bell. I declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day, and I put my faith in him. Ding, 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 you know, the town crier. That is a declaration. If you do that, you will be saved. And I pray that someone listening to this today, this is not supposed to be like a preaching message. It kind of feels that way, but it's not. It's just me reading the word and giving my thoughts on it, but it's what Paul is saying here. You can be saved. And I hope that someone listening to this today will do that. They will believe in their heart that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, and that they will declare with their mouth. They will tell the people that they know, that they love, that they have spent their life with, that I believe in Jesus Christ, in his death and burial and resurrection, and I choose to follow him from here on out. I hope that somebody does that in the audience today. The listening audience, shall we say. That is my prayer. Guys, that is it for this Faith Friday. I really hope you got a lot out of it. Uh, this was, in Romans anyway, this is only the third chapter, but this was my favorite in Romans so far. I have loved it. Uh Man, there's just so much good. Grab your Bible, if you would, and read through this yourself again and again and again, because it's like, man, it is so good, it's so rich, so it's just abundant with the grace of God. I, I pray that you guys would do that today. Just grab your Bible, read it for yourself. Whenever you feel doubt, 
coming into your heart. Because I have doubts. Just a couple years ago, I was almost an atheist. Go back to Romans chapter 3. Especially verse 21. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. I love that but now. But now a righteousness. A righteousness. We are right. We can be right with God. Oh, that's so good. I just, I love that. It's like Paul is standing on a, on a stool in a bar. But now there is a righteousness from God. I just, I just love it. All right, guys, I'm going to end here because I could keep going forever. This was so good. Uh, uh, let's end with prayer and then we will get out of here. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would sanctify us through the reading of your word. I pray that we would lean on this Romans chapter 3, that we would hold on to the justification that you have given us through your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray for those that may be listening who have chosen to place their trust and their hope and their faith in you. I pray that you would put people around them in their community that can hold them up in prayer and in life and help them to move forward and grow in their faith. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for another Faith Friday. We'll see you. Bye-bye.